Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Brandon. I am without Josh this week, but we wanted to check in with you. It's been a while since we finished the 21-22 season. Josh and I did our wrap-up. We talked about what we learned. What would be beneficial to our listeners, though, we thought is, could we talk to FPL managers who actually had a really good 21-22 season? So we've got a great guest this week. We're welcoming Pat Riley. Pat, who not only won our Patreon mini-league and had an incredible finish, uh, 260 overall in the world. Uh, we're welcoming Pat Riley. Pat, did I get that right? Did you finish 260 OR? I actually finished 230. 230. Not to be pedantic, but 230. <laughs> I will take those 30 spots. Uh, so so yeah. finishing 230 OR last season, where does that rank? in your achievements you know you won the nba national championship with the lakers <laughs> with the miami heat you came close with the knicks uh where does it rank as far uh, as fpl brandon I, I hate to i hate to to burst your bubble there but i think you had a bit of a scheduling snafu because i think you got the wrong pat riley i think that you, <laughs> are you not you're not the pat riley i am, I am not the pat riley unless, okay, so, yeah yeah no no i'm not the Pat Riley, because now now everybody's going to shut off the the podcast and be like, who is this jabroni? I know. This, this. Not an NBA Hall of Famer who's not a uh, multi-time mm-hmm. NBA championship winning coach. No, I, it's actually funny because my 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 name is Pat Riley. Uh, okay. My father was named Pat Riley, is named uh-huh. Pat Riley, and my grandfather is Pat Riley. So I have collectively the entire lifetime of Pat Riley being a uh, public figure pulled up between three generations of Pat Riley's. So we know of the different ways to kind of deal with the situation of people being like, Oh, Pat Riley, you mean like the, the coach the coach, know? and yeah, then sure. leading in with that, except for my dad and my grandpa had that period where it was, oh, that mustachioed guy, the guy with the cool mustache <laughs> that's the sixth man on the uh, on the Lakers and the Knicks, you know, <laughs> right. that guy, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I so. worked with I worked with somebody who uh, his name was Michael Richards. And Ooh. you know, he he had a very normal life until <laughs> until a very unfortunate evening at the Laugh Factory. Uh, which you may know, I, I, I'm really excited to talk to you, Pat, uh, and interweave some comedy stories because you yourself, apart from being a very skilled FPL manager, which we'll get to, like your rank history over the more than a decade is kind of spectacular. Now, we're not going to get into Fabio Borges territory here, but it's good. Uh, but but when you're not managing your FPL team, you're a student of comedy. You're also an academic. How do you make your way through the world, Pat? Uh, I, I am a uh, I am a professor. I am a uh, professor at a uh, business school, 
and I my areas of specialization are organizational and economic sociology. And my area of, of focus is the entertainment industry. And my dissertation was on stand-up comedians. Uh, I've done research on the entertainment industry, like you know, movies and television and things like that. So it, it's it's actually really interesting to look at FPL through that lens. Uh, How does of, that work? So we, yeah. we've talked about the data revolution, and that tends to favor the mathematically inclined people who are really good at you know bare minimum an Excel pivot table. <laughs> what what are the actual like academic uh, tricks that you've picked up over the years that you've translated into fantasy. A lot of these things are going, a lot of them are not particularly deliberate, but I think they're more of a sense of orienting yourself to data. So okay. one of the things that's interesting is that I am a ethnographer. So mm -hmm. you had uh Searle top on and you've mm -hmm. probably talked to other people that are more inclined towards uh, quantitative data, sim running simulations, things like that. I am on kind of methodologically the opposite pole where I observe people doing what they do. I interview people. Sometimes I get involved in the things that they do and do a poor job of doing it and then watch people make fun of me. Yeah. And then I get some sort of insight from that. Can you give us an opening joke, uh, like for, from one of your old stand-up <laughs> sets? Please no. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll spare you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can no, imagine how no. that would be I, triggering for you. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just um, like the the nature of academics uh in and of itself and getting to that the the higher echelons. You all what no, regardless of the uh the the study, the discipline, you're working a lot with data. Like you absolutely. were telling me before we, we started you're about to embark upon a big research phase which yeah. involves you accumulating a massive amount of data. So you have to be really skilled in terms of uh just compartmentalizing the data, sorting it, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think that one of the things about it is, is that there's there's a couple of ways in which this really plays out. In, in first off is more on the theoretical dimension. I, I, I study the entertainment industry. And one of the things about things like movies, uh, the recording industry, is that there's, a, there's a, a basic premise that all hits are flukes. And how do you, how do people mm -hmm. figure out and work through the noise and work through the uncertainty of trying to find some degree of order in the fact that all hits are flukes? And, okay. and I think that with, with FPL, the, the, the typical outcome or the modal outcome is going to be that somebody gets a two. Right. Maybe somebody uh -huh. will get a yellow card. Maybe somebody will get a clean sheet point as a midfielder. But the the normal outcome is two, right? Okay. Which some of us will feel like are is a flop. Uh, so how do you figure out and and kind of understand the process through which you kind of sift through it and figure out what's going to be a hit, who's going to return, who's going to get double figures. But also when it comes to the methodological end, um, kind of getting a sense of where the data comes from, uh, how the sausage is made, uh, what, you know, based on your particular inferences that you, so I, I privilege watching the games, um, mm -hmm. and seeing what, um, what you see and then kind of triangulating, seeing, okay, what data exists, uh, when it comes to the statistical data or listening to other podcasts and hearing what people have to say, does it, and, and then figuring out, is there yeah. some sort of coherence and being very clear in your mind about 
okay, where, what's behind all these bits of information that I'm going to take into making this decision? So what I'm hearing is you're basically looking at the whole world of FPL and, and taking the, the, the pieces that are important to the way you, you look at the game and, and formulating your, your opinion and your strategy from there. Let me, let me see if I can come up with an interesting metaphor here. So I, if you're talking about hits or flukes, is the way I manage my FPL team, the way current Hollywood produces movies, where I am risk averse, I end up constantly bringing in high, highly owned players into my team, like I'm constantly creating movie sequels within my FPL team, because I want a guaranteed or uh, what is assumed a guaranteed box office return from my fantasy team. The result is um, a Jurassic Park <laughs> Dominion situation where the critical reviews are in the bin. Everyone hates this movie. Everyone's still going to see it, probably turn a profit. I feel like that's where I'm at with my <laughs> FPL management. If you're saying all, um, there is there is something to that idea that all hits are flukes, to be good at FPL, do you have to take that swing on a Christopher Nolan original screenplay? No one's making movies like this in Hollywood right now sort of approach. I, you know I what would, I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, could, I could totally get that. I mean, you know, there's other elements of it, too. I mean, it's not necessarily just I am going to go back to make a sequel of the season that so-and-so had, right? I... I <laughs> there's other ways in which this could play out, right? There's yeah. also the degrees of imitation, right? In, in the entertainment industry, there's a great deal of imitation where if something is successful, right, people will imitate what um, the successful mover is doing. And that's, that happens throughout all forms of, you know, organizations, you know, within yeah. market settings and things like that. I mean, that's a normal aspect of social life is imitation, especially when there's a great deal of uncertainty as to, okay, what's the legitimate way of doing something? What is the safe way of doing something? Yeah. Uh, but I think that you can't necessarily swing for the fences with something too esoteric because mm -hmm. if you swing for the fences uh, constantly and ignore the things that are tried and true, ignore the things that there is a good deal of imitation uh, with like you're going to end up with a situation where you are I don't know uh, capping some weird player that nobody else has and 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 it doesn't necessarily always turn out I mean the risk is is really really high on it so I think that part of it is is you know if you were to kind of draw this analogy out is being dynamic and understanding that you have to have your tried and true players that are, could be understood as being template or conventional yeah. or being um, safe, you know, that there isn't a lot of risk involved in it, right? That you know, understand that they're safe and having maybe a few players or being open to the possibility that, okay, this person is uh, kind of outside of what is quote unquote template and swinging for the fences because you see that there's a lot of upside. You see that there's a lot of potential that they might blow up. And, and do something great or a situation where this is a person that is low owned. There's not a lot of attention to them, but I can see maybe in four weeks, this is actually going to um, uh, turn out to be something really, really, really beneficial, right. but not necessarily paint yourself in a corner where it's like, okay, I put all of this money into having 
uh, Mendy as my goalkeeper <laughs> uh -huh. and I can't yep. move it one way or another because I had this brilliant move of being Maverick and yeah. it ends up that it's, it's not going to turn out. My goal for next season, Pat, is to basically have a player who we could equate to Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie where <laughs> never in a million years that I think that would be successful, but it turned out to be, uh, a smash hit. So I think that's maybe Jared Bowen was the Sonic the Hedgehog of last season. I think this we're going to talk. I think a lot of this, these ideas are going to come to the fore as we talk through the moments of your season last season, Pat, like uh, decision points that you had, great moments that you had and, and the like. Before we get to that, though, let's just break the ice a little bit more. I mean, it was a long season. Do you find that you you needed to disconnect uh, after mid-May, like, have you have you had some downtime? Are you enjoying being away from FPL right now? What are you up to? Ah, oh, man, it's it, it's so especially this past season, it was yeah. so totalizing. Yeah. Um, it was something where there were hobbies that I had that kind of went a little bit by the wayside because it was so intense that mm -hmm. you know I was actually doing well, and I, there was all the variables that were flying around. Oh, these games are going to get canceled. Oh, here's a double game week that popped up. Oh, here's an injury. All these sorts of things. Like there were games that were in the middle of the week. So it became really greedy. Uh, so <laughs> now that it's over, I've, I've, I don't know. I've, <laughs> I haven't drastically changed a lot of things because I think that when the season ended, the academic term ended. So this was the point in which, okay, I went to doing grading and doing this and doing that, all the kind of bureaucratic wrap up things, and then starting to do the work that I actually needed to do. So, I mean, honestly, it was just kind of taking that time and putting it into, you know, it's, putting all these things into another yeah. bin, but Hey, uh -huh. look, you know, I've, I've, I've found time. I've, I've, uh, I've got a crazy three-year-old that takes a lot of, of time, yeah, you know, yeah. and has a lot There's of always time for SEL. People oh, sure. will complain about how it is. I like the word you use totalizing. Um, but we'll always find time for it. And yeah, people who, who say they miss FPL during the one month out of the calendar year <laughs> that we're not playing it, I, I need to talk to you. I need to get to the bottom of that. So you are, yeah. you're more or less from like the Southern California area. You're now based in Vancouver, BC. What I don't know about you, Pat, is if you have a Premier League team that you support or any FA club. I, I am a Wolves supporter. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> well, are, are you part, are you Portuguese? Uh, no, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I honestly, I was thinking about it, why I'm a Wolves fan. And I think, I think I picked them like how an eight year old picks their favorite sports team where they're just cool like, logo. Oh, yeah, Wolves are sick. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> Danzig sings about wolves. That's awesome. Uh, and and I went with that. Something that I think fans of most clubs can agree upon, though, is your FPL history, your rank history, Pat, is pretty solid. Now, you started playing FPL in the 2010-2011 season. This is not something you typically see. If I am meeting an FPL manager for the first time and I ask them, you know, how they did last season, they're like, I had my best finish ever. It's always a progression from the first season. Everyone's first season is typically their worst season. They're figuring out the rules of FPL. They're figuring out just how one plays fantasy versus being an in real life fan, like what we were just talking about. 
But in your first season, 2010, you finished with an OR of 3,865. Followed a season later, basically with the same rank, 4,472. How in God's name were you so good at this game when you first started? Like, or you, you're just like a typical American sports fan where you just had this built-in acumen for fantasy sports? I, I, I played fantasy sports for years yeah. and years and years and years. And that was actually what this was pitched to me as, where mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine, one of my best friends, said, hey, are you interested in playing this fantasy FPL game? you know, fantasy EPL game. And I was just like, fantasy, bring it on. You know, I'll play any (laughs) fantasy game, fantasy NASCAR, give it, I'll do it. (laughs) Fantasy golf. I don't know anything about golf. I'll play it. Yeah. And, Uh and it was something that really intrigued me in the sense that there's a good deal of simplicity involved in it, right? Where you made points by particular, uh, particular things, right? There was the, the scoring system was relatively clear. There was the element where there wasn't exclusive ownership. Mm-hmm. which you don't have in a lot of fantasy football games. I mean, there's specific sure. fantasy football games where you buy with the salary cap and you know, you could, you can play against the field. This is, this was very specific and I found mm-hmm. it to be really, really interesting. And I remember the, the, when I started out, I really didn't know anything. Um, I didn't really watch outside of FIFA. I didn't know anything about uh, English premier league uh, football. And I was. I remember. I looked at my team that I picked, my first ever team, and it was just, you know, a, a degree of part of it was just me being like, "All right, who looks interesting? John Carew, awesome. You know, it's a winning name, Carew. Uh, uh, there, but <laughs> is you know, it? Picking, how is that a winning name? Rod Carew. You know, <laughs> okay, um, <yeah>. okay, <laughs> solid contact. You know, I was going yeah. for what's what's the root of Carew? Yeah, yeah, of the um, Latin. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, no, but there was a, there was, it was very, uh, you know, there was a, a small base of information that you could go off of. I watched a lot of the games. Uh, there was a website that I really enjoyed called Never Captain Nikki Butt. I don't know if anybody uh, remembers that site, but that was a really good site to really acquaint me with what the game was about and provide yeah. suggestions of who was, uh, who was good and who was a great pick and kind of the, the dynamics of who's a good actual IRL player versus who's a good fantasy player. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I was really disciplined and I, I would watch the games and I would make, you know, decisions based on, on what I saw and what I read. And, and, and one of the things that was, a, was good about it was that I started off pretty well and I, maintained a degree of of interest uh within that season and my best buddy was doing it and we could talk about it and things like that and he uh he stopped playing after three years and my the bloom kind of went off the rose it became something that was very much a uh you know, I auto signed up. I had like one mini league I was in with like a guy that I went to college with and all of his buddies and I just kind of lost a bit of interest where I didn't have cable. So I couldn't really watch the games very much. And I didn't feel like mm-hmm. streaming going to like, you know, football streams dot virus and, and watching the, <laughs> the games. So I, um, I, uh-huh. it turned into a thing with, with fantasy where I just would mess around a lot. But when this season in particular, I decided to go back to playing it seriously partially because I was able to watch all the games because we have the zone up here where you have the ability to watch every game. And my son, who's three, loves watching 
uh, yeah. the game. He loves watching football. He loves the numbers. He loves the falling down. He loves when they score. And they, everybody <laughs> I, I very much enjoy. We'll occasionally get your commentary, Pat, on the Patreon Slack of what your three-year-old son is saying to yeah. the TV. And I appreciate it. This is from the, from the mouths of babes. It's always the best commentary. Oh, I mean, he's a, he's a Nabi Kecha fan because he's, <laughs> he wears number eight and he wears the color red. And I mean, you can't, that's, that's all he wants is <laughs> the color and if red he found he, out, if your son found out that Nabi Kecha sleeps in a race car bed, that might oh, just completely seal the deal. Absolutely. No, 100%. Which I, which I would not be surprised to learn at I, all. I, if I made the money that a star footballer made, I, it would be like it like that episode of Cribs where it was the Missy Elliott one. And okay. Missy Elliott has this amazing uh, uh, condo. And then she the last thing that was revealed was that Missy Elliott's, Elliott slept in a car, race car bed. And she's just like, I always I wanted a race car. This. Yeah, I always wanted a race car bed when I was a kid. Now I have the ability to get the best race car bed that I can. I'm going to sleep in a race car bed. And I'm just like, Missy respects yeah just. missy's missy's the coolest so you can't really argue with that but um yeah. and then i had a lot of students that played um okay. and there I, I was teaching a group of of mba students and a few of them played uh fantasy and we would talk about it and i think that level of of having a small group and having the ability to watch the games allows me to kind of sustain and allowed me yeah. to get into a groove a bit and i I figured that if I was going to, this was the season where I was like, okay, I'm going to take this really seriously and I'm going to just hunker down and go back to the, the way in which I played previously. Yeah. Cause I, this is really just code for me saying that I had a really bunch of crappy seasons in between. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, and it sounds like I'm making excuses and yeah, I am making excuses. But. You don't need to make that many excuses. Cause I'm looking at your OR history and, and what I say is true. It is pretty impressive. Your worst finish was in the 2015, 16 season, uh, right around 500 K uh, beyond yeah. that. It's all right around maybe 250 K worst case scenario. And that leads us to this season where you had your best finish ever at 230 overall in the world. I want to get a little bit more into the details of your play style this season. And I understand you have a pretty good story attached to your best game week of the season that we can, uh, we can dig into, but let's take a quick break before we do that. A quick plug for Patreon, which is how I met you, Pat. Uh, and this is just a great way for listeners out there to say thanks to me and Josh, my co-host, and get more FPL content in return. Visit patreon.com slash always cheating for information on the various price tiers of support. And we are in the midst of June. June is free because there is no Premier League right now. We're going to launch a ton of preseason content for everybody in July and even more content for our Patreon supporters. That's coming in, in, in July, but June is a great time to jump in and for free see what all the fuss is about. Patreon.com slash always cheating. Pat will come right back and get into your 21-22 season. Hey listeners, Brandon here. Our next partner, Athletic Greens, has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because during the last two years, my routine went so out of whack that skipping breakfast honestly became a bad habit. And now I've been on AG1 for about three months, and I love it. I really do. It's easy, it's fast, and I'm feeling energized each morning. 
And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, sleep habits, all of the things. And a few other things that you're going to love about AG1, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's got this little citrus bite to it, which I really enjoy. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S., Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make things easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you, an always cheating listener, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash always cheating. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash always cheating to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Pat, we're back. A reminder to anyone who forgot in the last five minutes, 230 overall. That was good enough a rank to finish in first place in our Patreon league, which is 500 plus managers. I will say, Pat, it wasn't good enough to win the Always Cheating Super League, which is the prize of prizes. Was that ever in your set? I feel like you made you made like a late push uh for that that or that you got like what what was the sort of trajectory of the 21 22 season for you did you start strong and finish strong did you start poorly and just creep up how did it go uh, so i actually i actually started pretty strong in the first four weeks uh i was looking through my my history and i actually started really decently in the fourth week i was around 22k 
which I think there is something to be said about your, if you start strong, you're more engaged, right? Because you want to see it through. Um, and, and it, it gave me kind of the push to, to really take it seriously. Uh, so in the first four weeks I, I did really well. I had, um, I started with Antonio and Ben Rama and they had fantastic starts and I had Sala, yep. I had, uh, Bruno, uh, Fernandez before the wheels fell off. I had all the, I had a lot of really good players and, uh, game week five was when the wheels started to come off because I, okay. I wild carded and I did a horrendous, I had like an epically bad wild card. Uh, cause I thought I'd be cute. I was like, Oh yeah, everybody's going to uh-huh. wild card it week. three. Everyone week always eight. thinks and, they're clever with their oh, early yeah, season yeah, yeah, wild yeah, card. Thought, it never works. It never oh, does. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was I was decided to be cute, and I was like, I'm gonna get double Wolves defense. I'm gonna get Bamford, and the, the week before his, you know, he got the plantar fasciitis from hell. Uh, yeah. I got Torres, and that week mm. was like the last week he played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I got I got Reese James, and and Reese. I looked it up, and it was like the four weeks after I got Reese James. He, James he logged like 30 minutes of play time. Just some real, some real stinkers. I did get uh, uh, Connor Gallagher. That was the one bright spot, and I think there okay. was the element where I was trying to be too cute. I was trying to yeah. get that sort of Christopher Nolan weird mm-hmm. maverick pit, and I ended up spending like three hits just to climb out of that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you brought up hits there, um, <laughs> because to me, this is what defined your season. And this is a constant source of debate. So I need you to set the record straight on your strategy, Pat, because it became very clear to me that you were having a great season at the very end of the season, because you came to me to talk through your game week 36 decisions. And you were saying, I think I have a chance to win the Patreon league and I'm going to take a minus 16 (laughs) penalty to do this. This is part of my strategy. And I kind of gave you the whole classic content creator spiel of like well it might not work and don't blame me if it doesn't work but by god you got a green arrow uh from this minus 16 in game week 36 took you from an or of 91 to 67 which like to climb rank at all when you're in the top 100 at the end of the season is really tricky because you probably have all the same players as everybody else but to do so on a minus 16 kind of blew my hair back Then in 37 and 38, you took a minus eight followed by a minus four. Overall on the season, I've crunched the numbers here, Pat. 104 total transfer hit points you lost. So in, you know, there is a world in which, you know, you could, you could say you you could have finished 104 points more than you did. Obviously it doesn't work that way because you gain points by taking those transfer hits. 24 total transfers that you made not for free. Is this a new new policy of yours? Have you always believed in like just get the best players for the best game week and so on? Or was this like just you going for gold? I, I think part of it was, I mean, the early hits that I took after my first wild card were corrective. I mean, they were they were purely corrective because my team was it was not good. And, and I figured that it was in the necessity for me to take hits, to climb out. And I, I reform, I reformatted my team essentially to go big at the back, go heavy deep. Mm-hmm. And, and that allowed me to kind of go forward and, and do well. But the thing with, um, with taking those hits was a lot of it was based upon the unique 
dimensions of this season with the mm-hmm. cancellations, with the double game weeks, things like that, where it was it was almost imperative to have to take hits in yeah. order to uh, field an entire team and, yeah. or even you know field te- the best players. Because when it came to taking hits, I, I, I figured that generally if you are taking a hit for a player that you want to have for a long period of time, that's going to be superior to the one that you're switching out. You know, this particular player is a weak link, or you see that they have a bad fixture run. It it, it might be worth your while to take it to hit, yeah. take a hit because yes, you're going to lose four points this week, but over the course of three, four five weeks, is this going to be neutralized? Right. Now, when it came to this particular season, you didn't have that sense of clarity because there were so many cancellations. There were so many double game weeks that came about that you, it was something for me where, especially when you're getting into the festive fixtures period mm-hmm. where you had all the COVID cancellations, you had to take hits because if you had blanks, um, you know, the hit would be two, right? It would be more or less, uh, yeah. you know, a, a penalty of two. Sure. And if you were going for a player that was really good and had a high likelihood of returning big, um, you know, those things could be washed out um, and it could be just essentially a free swap. So uh, this goes with the uh, conversation about chip strategy, because Josh and I, I think, talked about this around the festive fixtures where we got the extra free hit chip. Mm-hmm. Much Sturman drank about this because uh, <laughs> we both Josh and I spunked him too early because we didn't have the nerve to like what you're talking about. Oh, I can't field a full team. I'm just going to take some transfer hits and keep this free hit chip for a strategic moment later on. And uh, I feel like in hindsight, that was clearly the better strategy than I think maybe there's just one more week of COVID postponements happening. I'm just going to use this free hit chip. That's what it's here for. Yeah, it's going to well, be the best policy. When I when I did my my free hit chips, it was actually I picked them in weeks where there were a lot of blanks. So 19 and 30, where there are going to be a lot of blanks on my team, and there were players that I just didn't want to move. Right where there were players that I just couldn't because I knew I was going to want them later. That I yeah. wanted to have them as fixtures in my team. And that for on a temporary basis, I would see, okay, I want to switch this person out because they have a blank. So 19, there were so many cancellations, um, you know, in week 30, there was so many FA cup cancellations and that's what I saved my, my free hits for. And I was actually really happy that there was the second free hit, uh, because it allowed me the flexibility to say, okay, I can feel free to say 19, I will take this free hit and mm-hmm. put in the Manchester city midfielders that I wanted or the particular players that I I thought would be best for that particular week so that I could have the players that I really uh, were mainstays in my team to remain mainstays that I wouldn't have to essentially take a minus eight to get back Mo Salah or something like that. Sure. So yeah, I think that when it comes to taking hits, it's really, I mean, for me, it was just a necessity based upon the cancellations, based upon the double game weeks. And with the, the week, uh, game week 36, it was because I was bench boosting. And my my bench at the time was I had Gelhart, Broya, uh, Dubrovka, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and a, a, just a bunch of players that were not going to play. And it was, you know, can I switch them in with double game week players that are assured to start, that I can put them in and, and, 
create a situation where I can pay back that bench boost um, and maybe gain a little bit extra off the top from it. You know, so I, I moved yeah. them and got, you know, Richarlison and Ketya, uh, uh, you know, Machip Foster, you know, the, the, the ever legendary Ben Foster. I'm looking forward to which uh, promoted team ends up with Ben Foster. And he's going to be like in no. perpetuity, the 4.0 goalkeeper. <laughs> he's going to be, like I think this Forrest was Foster's last dance. Ah, I, I think this season was Foster's last dance. You brought up 36. I mean, there is this thing where the other shoe did drop in 37 where okay. I took, I took, you know, two hits to get in Ings and cash. And my team took, just took an absolute dump. Just, mm-hmm. oh man, it was, it, my team dropped the deuce because I, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not wise to, to make take hits and, and kind of chase points in that sort of way, because there was that thing where I was like, Oh, I'm going to be really aggressive and try and get even higher. And, it, you know, I fell massively, that week and i think that well you fell massively you fell from 67 or to 282 uh so you know you're you're getting close to tripling your rank there but where where does this rank in your every hit is a fluke argument where you've got two weeks 36 where you take a huge risk and it pays off 37 you take a more muted risk and you feel like it doesn't pay off. But on balance, do you feel like if you take 36 and 37 together, that was a good strategy? Because if you, you know, you're, you're okay. So yeah. for context, you're ranked 91 OR in game week 35. You find yourself 282 in game week 37. But I don't know, at this point in the season, your team can kind of go either way. Yeah, I, I think it was just the fact that the hits that I took were not necessarily wise hits for players that were assured i think that one of the things were you high on your own supply there pat i was yeah yeah i was i was just uh, i was just drunk on taking hits and things like that and and are you uh you're familiar with this podcast blank check it's a movie podcast where they talk about is it about the movie blank check no, uh, no, man, that's my kind of content. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I really wanted that for you, Pat. But yeah. it's about movies who have a great success earlier in their career and they are given a blank check to make whatever passion project they want. So that could be uh, Heaven's Gate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like yeah. Sam Raimi recently in the news for Doctor Strange. He comes off of Evil Dead 2 and he gets Dark Man or something like that. Um, so I feel like I feel like Game Week 36 was your blank check uh, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I, what 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 was your best week of the season? So it was Game Week uh, 18. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I it was around I, for the Game Week. I got about six thousand, I think. And I'm I, my rank jumped up. Like it was one of those things where I think I got into uh, the four digits at that. Yeah, point. I see your 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 game week rank in eighteen was six thousand six hundred and sixty seven. Yeah, um, almost almost evil, uh, but not quite. But <laughs> I um, so yeah, what happened with that was that was one of those weeks where there were a lot of game week cancellations, and I thought it was you know that was a time where you really needed to take hits. And yeah. originally I had taken a minus eight. Uh, so I moved out Josh King, uh, partially because Watford was not playing and partially because I was angry at myself for picking Josh King. We and all I just, were. Yeah. We all yeah, were. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I took out Josh King, 
uh, whose game was canceled, uh, David De Gea, whose game was canceled, and Connor Gallagher, who Palace's game was canceled. Canceled, and there was a slight bit of he he wasn't playing that. He was a little bit slightly mm-hmm. out of form. Like he was killing it, and I think that it was just a point where it seemed like he was slipping. Um, and I brought in. Ollie Watkins, uh, uh, Emmy Martinez, because they were playing Burnley, and Burnley was just absolute pee-pee and poo-poo. <laughs> and uh, I brought in Martinelli um, because they were playing Leeds, and that was the time in which Leeds was just they were they were just putting out groundskeepers because Bielsa had too much pride to cancel. Um, and you know, I, I re- Martinelli had returned the two weeks prior, and um, you know, a lot of people were talking. You know, a lot of people who I. I follow were really hyping him up, uh, you know, mm-hmm. particularly, uh, particularly Walsh on FML FPL, whose sure. opinion I take, have a lot of respect for when it comes to, you know, isolating yeah. what players are really great. Uh, yeah. His, his gut instinct is, is really strong. Yeah. And he know I mean, he knows like he, he has a really good, both of them have really great eyes for just picking yep. out players. Yep. Um, so I brought them all in, right. I was going to bring them all in. And that morning, I think the deadline was a Saturday. The week on Friday, I wake up and I felt like somebody hit me in the face with a frying pan while I was mm-hmm. sleeping. Okay. Uh, and when you get older, you wake up with aches and pains, and you don't really kind of get a sense of <laughs> like just, where it's they just come. life. Yeah, you kick your own butt while you're sleeping, you know, uh-huh. and, and you get into just knock down drag outs while you're asleep. So um, throughout that day, I just felt a little bit bad. And later in the day, I had some some. I thought they were hives. So I took a bunch of Benadryl <laughs> okay. and I went to sleep. And on uh, on Saturday morning, I woke up like at 2 a.m. And I'm on the West Coast of, the, uh, of, of North America. So that was around the time in which the deadline was happening. And I was able to see that uh, the Villa game was canceled. So I had to immediately make the switch of, okay, I have Watkins and I switched him to um i switched him to lacazette because lacazette uh-huh. was playing they're playing leads the game could have been canceled but i just figured lacazette has a pretty decent chance of returning against leads because leads were just shipping so many goals mm-hmm. and that week i decided to cancel uh, uh to captain Cancelo uh instead of uh, instead of sala I'm really because, excited for you to refresh everyone's memory on what happened in this game week with Cancelo. Uh, yeah, he scored 18 points and uh, uh, Sala blanked. And I, I figured it was one of those situations where a case could have been made, made either way, where it was like Newcastle were playing. This wasn't the Newcastle at the end, end of the year. This was Newcastle yeah. where they were just, they were in that loss period. Sure. And I figured that they weren't going to score. And I figured that there was a decent chance that Kinsella being the, the aggressive player that he is was going to, uh, you know, get some offensive returns. And um, Liverpool was playing Tottenham at White Hart Lane. And I was just like, you know, it's kind of that 50-50, 60-40 split. And I decided I'm going to go with the person that is a compelling captain who would be the second choice for a lot of people. I think a lot of people had him as a vice captain. So I decided to go with him. So... I was feeling like garbage. I was feeling like absolute garbage. And I watched the, uh, the first game of that week and, and Arsenal laid the SmackDown and Martinelli turned out well, mm-hmm. Lacazette returned and I felt really good. And then the next day I wake up at, at, at three in the morning and my face, I look like Harvey Dent. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> my face is just covered. I just, I, it was just like, I just felt horrible. And I just uh-huh. looked like 
somebody, my whole side of my face was just covered in, in this, just these sores and things like that. Yeah. And I, uh, I went to the emergency room and I found out I had shingles. But the thing yeah. is, is that whenever you go to an emergency room, there's a lot of weight. And I was sitting in my little room watching <laughs> the, um, the, the Manchester city versus true, Newcastle true game. junkie. True oh junkie. yeah. I love it. <laughs> and, and I, I, I was watching it and, and Cancelo just blew up and it felt, I felt like, um, if any of you have seen the movie Major League Two, that cinematic classic, there's the scene where Lou Brown, who was the manager of the, the uh, of Cleveland, was watching the game in his uh, in his hospital room because he had just had a heart attack, and he was uh-huh. jumping up and down with like the the hospital gown on, and obviously you yeah. see his butt because uh-huh. it's comedy. Uh, You're gonna get a, a PG-13 rating for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, and I and I was a, that's what I was just watching. I was just insanely um just uh, i was orgasmic because i made the right decision on it and but it was just the thing did the nurse come in to address your shingles and you said you know what maybe it's better that i have these maybe it's a good luck charm yeah what can we do (laughs) to keep these shingles on my face for the rest of the season yeah no but the thing about it was was that that gets to just how weird the season was was that like not the the fact that you know, of, of the medical dimension of it, but the fact that <laughs> game games got canceled like right before the deadline. And if yeah. I didn't, you know, if you didn't wake up at a certain time, like if you're in North America and you didn't wake up in time, you were going to miss out on that element of, of information. And when you had that situation where, okay, this game is canceled. I am not going to have this player that I took the hit for in Watkins you know, it's like, all right, well, might as well switch it out for somebody else because yeah, they, they, there was a lot of risk taking. I mean, this was a season where if you were going to take risks and where you were open to that fact, like that was a level of success that you would get a better chance of getting paid back as opposed Mm -hmm. to most seasons where there was some degree of uniformity. We're taking a hit, taking a hit could have a greater degree of penalty attached to it. So what I'm getting here from listening to you, Pat, is that your big success this season was being incredibly adaptable. The season threw a lot of different challenges at us, and you found ways to adapt in pretty much every situation. So beyond that like general abstract idea of look at the game week in front of you, there are good players, there are bad players, there are honestly players who don't even have fixtures to play, address this through hits or chips if you must. Were, were there any other like high level strategy things that sort of like came to light for you? Like five, three, uh, you know, a, a different formation is yeah. going to work better for you. Uh, did you, how, how did you, I guess like where, where we could start here is how did you fare with forwards? Did you just give up on forwards at any point in the I, season? I gave up yeah. on forwards. I mean, there was, uh, I think there was the point in which I captained Dennis for the uh, the double game week where he got the red card, I was just like, I'm done with forwards. This is mm-hmm. not. I'm done with you, the, the forwards. <laughs> I but I basically played. Uh, I played more or less uh, uh, five four one or four five one. Okay. Uh, and I kept Harry Kane up front. Okay. Because there was the 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 attacking wingbacks were returning at at such a yeah. such a great clip, and their prices were lower. I mean, they were just you, you yeah. could have a player like Trent who is seven, five, eight, that 
can do 200 point season. And you had multiple players that, you know, whether it's a Reese James or if he still, if, if he was still healthy, Ben Chilwell or Robertson or various other players like that, Cancelo, that you were able to not devote too much money in your budget to, to that and really generate a lot of points. And I think that going to that five, four, one was a game changer. I think that it was a thing where, shifting to a heavy D really allowed for a possibility for you to have that really to have a really strong anchor that could generate points most weeks so that you could mess around and, and, and get weird in the midfield or, uh, you know, kind of figured things out that you had that sort of really strong base and then throwing in Mohamed Salah, uh, towards the beginning of the season before AFCON. I mean, you had that really, you have that really good anchor where you can kind of experiment a little bit and get weird and, and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I like the get weird aspect and I like that. I mean, I wish that was something that I embraced earlier on this season. I do think it's interesting that you are positioning your strategy around giving up on forwards and going to just one up front. And that one just happens to be Harry Kane, where I think you saw a lot of people just jettison, strikers almost entirely to like Broya is their one up front. Like I'm going to spend as little money as possible. And you, you relied quite a bit on Kane, like toward the end of the season, you didn't even pick up son until game week 37. Uh, so do you like, do you feel like you got value for money for Kane or what do you think you even should have dropped him? Yeah, I was, it was very much to my detriment, not getting son. And I, I think that really, I don't know because Kane was generating points and there wasn't the way I thought of it was, was that there wasn't a great deal of variety when it came to the forwards and that I didn't feel really secure into who I would replace him with. Right. Conceivably I could have put Timu Puki in there. Mm-hmm. I could have put you know, a few other people, but I didn't have that sense. It was almost like a security blanket, right? Harry Kane is, he's tried and true. He's, he's going to play. Blanket. He's going to play uh, and and he's going to get points, maybe, you know, especially mm-hmm. towards the towards the end of the season. He was starting to get up. But I, I did trade on not having son when son was just out of his mind, just going yeah. completely, completely bananas. And and I I think that. I could have been a little bit more open to moving Mohamed Salah mm-hmm. because there were points in time where I was just like, maybe, you know, when it came to and because. Mo Salah is, is just legendary. I mean, he's something, somebody that is just such a, a stalwart player and is such a, a just a fixture on our FPL teams and was pl- and just rewarding us so much at the beginning right. of the season that it was a really tough decision to, to, to let him go and bring in someone like Son <laughs> or bring in someone like KDB. And I think in the to an extent, with hindsight being 2020, it's like, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't necessarily – completely fall in love with your players that um you know there could be signs that it's time to move on it's time to Mm -hmm. break up uh with the with with the egyptian uh god and and just (laughs) bring him in and bring in somebody new and and i think that i think that there is a sort of thing of just being a little bit more sensitive and aware of okay when you're watching the game you can see that you know, the shots don't have the same level of pepper on them than they mm-hmm. did previously, that the, his positioning is not necessarily conducive to him returning to the degree he does, even though yep. he's just an 
otherworldly player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was a thing where I, I could have been a little bit more willing to kind of make the move on, yeah. you know, making these fundamental changes to the players that are like security blankets that are just kind of those mainstays that there's no way that you can't move them out. The conventional picks. Yeah. It was an interesting season for a player like Sala where it was because the ground was so unsteady under our feet, particularly in the latter half of the, or in the middle part of the season, right when Sala is, you know, we've, we've reaped all the rewards from Sala. Then he goes away to AFCON and comes back and his form is depleted because there was so much uncertainty. He just seemed like the right player to have to ground everything. And I, I put myself in this camp where my season was torpedoed largely through fear, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of fear. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how we react to something like that next season because of what we learned this season. I, we're going to talk a little bit uh, forward uh, looking about next season in a minute, but I, I just, just go, going back to this idea of it being a rocky road how emotional of an FPL manager do you find yourself to be? Now you're you flew you flew really high this season. I co-host this podcast with a notoriously emotional manager and Josh. I mean, some some people really get a kick out of it when particular Josh, particularly Josh, is you know pretty naked with his emotions about how his season is going. So how does that work with your FPL worldview? Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, when I did have bad weeks, I did feel a little bit crappy. Like there was a little bit of a malaise that, mm-hmm. that went over me, but I think that generally my, my feeling about it, and I was kind of maybe connected to the fact that for a while I would play when I was just messing around and missing game weeks and things like that. Sometimes I would play where it's like, okay, who's the weirdest player I can captain and taking flyers and things like that. So I, I felt a bit. I do feel a bit disconnected from it, maybe because I'm not in many league uh, money leagues, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because I wasn't in very many like entrenched mini leagues where, where, you know, there's bragging rights at the office and this is going to go on for a long period of time or that somebody, you know, you're going to get the novelty championship belt that you can display freely. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, um, I felt very, I, there were times where things would change, but you just kind of roll with it and and you know see it as a as a challenge i mean i like when when the new when there was the the second free hit i know some people were kind of a little bit uh perturbed bitter but you know i would say i uh, annoyed maybe perturbed okay. um uh-huh. but i um i i saw it as this sort of thing where you did you play super mario brothers 3 when you were a kid of course yeah yeah one of the so, hardest final levels of all time oh my gosh yeah and 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 so there was the thing in Super Mario where you would Super Mario 3 where you would like find out that you could get a P wing, right? There was like a secret <laughs> P wing. Like I, uh, if you got a certain number of coins in level one four, you could get a P wing, right? Sure. And and this would be a surprise. And this would go along all around the the uh the 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 uh you know, playground. You're just like, guess what? You get an extra P wing. So everybody has this new thing and you would probably like when you're playing, like blow the first, the, the, the new P wing early on. 
right? And you would say uh-huh. like, oh, you know, I got through this level that was really hard. But as you said, you know, level eight, the hardest level, you get to yeah. that one where it was like the super fast airships. It's like, oh my God, I don't have that P-wing. And you feel really <laughs> regretful. And I mean, it's a little bit different because you could just reset the game as opposed to waiting another year to play a full season of, but it was like, I think uh-huh. there is a, a feeling about it where I, I, I kind of, I, because there isn't money on it, because it's just, for me, something where it's like, oh, I, I, I've done well and I've done yeah. had horrible seasons. It just was a thing where it felt like a ride. And yeah. as long as you're playing and and having fun and being around people who you can have fun with and you can joke about how bad you did this particular game week or how you just absolutely whiffed it on this transfer, as long as you have people that around that you talk to that yeah. you can laugh with, I mean, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of. Uh, find the silver lining in a crappy game week and and yeah such is the mission of always cheating is to be those people that you can be around uh to laugh about the the good or the the bad game week so i i appreciate that sentiment i i think that's spot on like so so long as you're you're sharing in the experience and not wallowing in pity by yourself you'll be you'll be better for it um so i think i think we should take a, a quick break here pat come back and just think, uh, think strategically, uh, create a wish list for next season and sort of set ourselves up for what is eventually going to be a slew of preseason content that's about to hit us. So we'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Pat, we're back. Let's bring this home with an eye toward next season. Uh, I feel like we've learned in in speaking to you about your experience, Pat, I'm like in energized to approach next season with a degree of uh, humbleness. Like I need to be flexible. I need to adjust to circumstances quicker and more thoughtfully than ever. And this is the, these are the skills that are almost like impossible to teach, I find. So then just hearing about your experience from last season is in some respects like as close as we're going to get apart from mining through those you know, data tables that Sirtal can can bring us. So I think this is a good sort of like flip side of that coin. So when you're thinking about next season, you're coming off of an incredible overall rank. Now you're just kind of doing it for fun and for pride. Have you now been poisoned by this chalice of success? <laughs> Are you going to seek to improve upon this? Like, 
how, what, what expectation has now been created for you? Uh, yeah. So me being on this podcast is probably my Madden curse, honestly. So I'm probably <laughs> yep, just uh-huh. going to go. Really I apologize in advance. Yeah. No, nah, it's mm-hmm. fine. My, my goal is to get a stress ball. I just, I want one of those stress balls really badly. Uh, those FBL stress <laughs> okay. balls that they, they give us prizes. Um, sure. but no, I, 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 I don't know. I think I, it would be, it would be nice to get top 10 K next year or to finish, you know, you know, finish well. Right. And, and kind of improve upon what my average is, right. What my yeah. longstanding average is, which, you know, as long as I have a season that's above what is conventionally what I get, like, then I, I'm satisfied with it. Or the fact that, um, you know, as long as I have fun, as long as I finish in a, in a respectable sort of range, I, I think that that's, yeah. that's something that I'll stick to. I mean, obviously when it begins and I'm tinkering, I'm just going to, you know, my palms are going to get sweaty. I'm going like, to finish number one. I want to uh-huh. win. And and it's not real, but I think it's one of those things where I, I, as long as I, I, I finish in a way where it's like, I win my mini league that I've always been in. As long as I, as I, you know, finish above what my typical score is, I'm happy. Um, yeah. and, but next season is going to be really weird. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you mentioned that the, the, game is going to launch soon. I'm really interested in what the pricing is going to be. Yeah. You know, what it is Trent uh, going to remain in that 4.5 to eight range. Um, are they going to change how they price the, the, the def- defensive players, which yeah. re- in reality can, ch- if, if they remain at the same level, it's almost a given where it's like, okay, you have to kind of backload. Yeah. But if they, they just, they kind of come to the realization, it's like, okay, these players are going to score a lot of points and they shift the prices into the eight, nine range. I think that it's going to, it's going to spice things up a little bit. I'm also, really I think there's one see, player, yeah. there's one player, Pat, that is going to block that from happening. And that's, uh, that's Erling Holland. Yeah. Uh, because he's going to come in as a really exciting forward smart money would be on like 11.5 12 million for him as the starting number nine at man city and with a new player like that where a lot of um not just casual managers but serious managers too and everyone in between is going to see the potential in this guy they're going to be spending the money on him sala then is a is uh, and and then Sun, who will have a higher price. You already have so many expensive players up front. I just don't see how they can add another tax on yeah. those defensive players, as good as they are. I agree with you, Pat. So I, I'm not sure this is going to be the season to see that happen. I feel like that happens when the game changes to just like reclassify positions of these players, where you have different dimensions to your five defenders you've got three central defenders and three uh fullbacks maybe yeah i mean the thing that 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 because you mentioned uh, erling holland i mean are they going to reclassify sala are they going to reclassify sun i mean that's something yeah. that kind of flies around a bit i mean when it comes to to i mean holland is he's a generational talent like he's mm-hmm. he's unreal um but the thing about him is that i mean i i'm a little bit shaky on him because especially if it involves trading off having a Salah, having mm-hmm. a son who are who are proven commodities um but because 
Collins is coming in. I mean, he has to make the transition to the Premier League. He has to make the transition to uh, Pep Guardiola's system. And, you know, there's the element of fit and the element of time. I mean, what games is he going to play in? Is he going to be playing in, in, you know, league games? Is he going to be playing in um, European games? Um, is he going to be playing in, in cup games? I mean, there's, there's the, a lot of question marks involved in that. And I mean, he also has a, a pretty extensive injury record too. Yeah. So there are these kind of, you know, they're not red flags, but there's these kind of interesting X factors, but then you kind of step away from it and you think, yeah, he's also an amazing player. I mean, he yeah. just brutalized Sweden <laughs> today. Uh-huh. I mean, he just laid the smackdown yeah. on him. And if he comes in at, you know, 10.5, I mean, it's going to lead a lot of questions, even if you are skeptical uh, mm-hmm. of should I have him in? But, you know, you also have the, the degree of like, okay, what defensive players do you want in? Do you mm-hmm. want to have Trent? Do you want to have Chilwell? Do you want to have James? Do you want to have Cancelo? Uh, do you want to have, like, do you want Holland to be your other uh, premium to go with a Salah or to go with a Sun? I mean, there's a lot of questions, and I'm just really fascinated as to how the game classes everybody and prices everyone because it's going to really shift the – I mean, we have a very vague sense of what the game is going to be, yeah. and the topography of it is going to become a heck of a lot clearer <laughs> once uh, – yeah once they release the game and give totally. us a sense of who plays where and how much is it to get this player on the team. Yeah. Knowing that Holland is going to be part of, part of our plans either, uh, you know, to start or we're going to need a plan in place to get him in sooner rather than later is better than where we were last season, where the two big strikers that we thought were going to be factors in the fantasy season were Lukaku and Ronaldo. And we weren't even really sure that those moves were coming off until the season has started. So everyone kind of scrambled after game week one to figure out how you were going to get these players in and you end up wild carding uh, for the sake of, for the sake of that rearranging of your team structure. So knowing that Holland is definitely going to be there, I think will be a benefit to game week one planning, regardless of whether you have him or not, because you'll have a plan of how to get him in without wild carding too. And now I know Pat, that it's okay for me to burn 16 to get Holland if, <laughs> and if I don't start with them. So that's, uh, well, I've heard, I've heard people actually say that it's, it, you know, when they talk about their strategy, that it, it might be beneficial to, you know, hit in players that are uh, come in in form and you have a really good sense of where they're um, that they're going to be playing. They're going to be getting minutes and that they're in an advantageous position and they're coming out of the gate strong. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't argue against that. I mean, um, I, one person that I am interested in though with Holland in is Jack Grealish, yeah. what he is going to, you know, how is he going to, is, is the, is the, the, the first season with Man City going to be a omen for things to co- omen of things to come, yeah. or with Holland in with that season of betting in, um, will Jack Real and also like if he's going to be priced at you know seven point five or something like that, that mm-hmm. could be an interesting pickup. I really think that Cancelo the- plus yeah. Grealish plus Holland. That is like a trio. That's just like the the Oregon Trail of goals. <laughs> I think. Uh, cause I agree I mean, to see Grealish go from, I mean, it's, it's not like easy to map, but at, at Villa, he was the star man, obviously, but he was often working with a number nine. And then to go to city where he had to rein in his creative tendencies a bit on top of the fact that it was a 
far more complex system. And with Holland coming in, I agree, it may not necessarily simplify the system, but turn it into a system where it's a little bit more direct and might favor Grealish. So yeah, I think he's going to be a hugely popular pick if he's sub 8 million. Definitely. I mean, to get to, to get to, um, you know, something that you would know about, and I had questions about Mm. Mitrovic, is he all (laughs) Uh elite? Is Mitrovic all elite? Is he a week one person? Uh, I think he, he is available. If you've got a hole to fill, my concern about Mitrovic is he is very immobile. Uh, you know, you, You've got Holland is likened to Zlatan, whereas Zlatan wasn't known for necessarily being mobile, but he was incredibly athletic and could cover the pitch if necessary. Mitrovic is very much like a number nine from 1976, <laughs> you know, smashing beer bottles on his head and smoking cigarettes in the locker room. He is slow and immobile. Such was Scotty Parker's problem with him when Fulham just got relegated from the Premier League, which is why he he refused to play because he's like, we're going to get pressed to hell by these other teams. We cannot afford to have a guy who cannot either press and return or, uh, you know, move to pockets of space. So uh, this is this is my fear for Fulham uh, as a whole is like they are they did. They they still aren't a team that handles the press very well. And they were able to they were able to do what they did in the championship this season because they were good enough in that division to dictate the the pace of the play it's not going to be the case in the premier league so i think like odds are mitrovic is not going to be a factor Mm -hmm. uh but stranger things have happened even if fulham aren't going to be a great team you've seen you know players from qpr or huddersfield be fantasy factors for (laughs) blips so mitrovic is probably like if he's going to be anything i suspect he's going to be that sort of uh player where get him during a good run of fixtures etc yeah i mean you brought up qpr it's like you want to know if you're going to get a, a charlie austin or an adil tarabit you know? there you go <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah but there's i mean there's a lot of players that i just am really interested in i mean uh, lester uh they don't have european competition this year M- yep. uh matto finished so strong barnes finished so strong i mean is this going to be a C- even you know if they're able to secure lookman uh permanently i think yeah. that they have a lot of offensive weapons that will be priced i think probably priced very generously mm-hmm. uh very budget consciously and i mean you have uh, uh newcastle in there i think yeah. trippier has a, a really he he looks he looks great. I mean, and also with the president. Callum Wilson, the truth. Oh, yeah. uh, so yeah, I I think like in the spirit of adapting, uh, right, Pat? Like we even though we jettisoned all the strikers last season, this season could be huge for strikers again. Possibly, you know, hope springs eternal. Callum, if Newcastle continue their run and Wilson plays his part, and you've got Holland on top of that plus Kane. Uh, it might be, we might be playing three up top again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and Wilson towards the end of the season, everything was going through him. Yeah. Everything. And I think that depending on who, uh, Newcastle brings on board, he could be, and I mean, he had a, a, a season that he didn't play a lot. in, so he might stay at that seven, seven, five range. And I'm, I'm interested in, in Bruno Guimaraes. Like, I yeah. think that if, if he gets priced at, uh, um, 
a five or a 5.5. I mean, you might have, he might be a really great player because he's so dynamic and he's that kind of that loose ball player that is able to, I mean, he's, he's so great to watch. And his problem is exactly that. Yeah. uh, Because James Ward Prowse has been able to fly under the radar because he's just kind of a boring player. Um, and Grimerish is not, and I, he's going to get the exciting player price bump. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I would love, I would the love panache for him to, bonus. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> the panache bonus. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that shout. Newcastle is definitely like they're in line to be that Lester, um, of, of five years ago where you could get in on a player like that at 6.5 and get incredible returns. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that, I think that they're, they're on the up. And I mean, there's a lot of teams that are very plucky, uh, you know, palace, you know, what will happen Zaha or, or mm-hmm. Olise as a, they're, they're defenders. Yep. Or, or, yeah. They're very, what is Vieira going to do? And I mean, there's also just other questions. I mean, Spurs, I mean, what they're getting Perisic in, they might bring in yeah. uh, Jed Spence. And yeah. those are two, depending on how they class Perisic. I mean, that could be like that. I'm really worried about Spurs, Pat, because Kane will continue to be expensive and he could become a must own Mm -hmm. son. Just won the golden boot. He's going to probably be 10 plus for the first time in his fantasy career. Uh, But they're going to be good. They're going to be good. And then you've got city and Liverpool assets to contend with there. Um, It, it, it's shaping up, and obviously we have to wait and see what the prices look like, but it's shaping up to be one of those seasons where we're hopefully going to see a lot of different fantasy team makeups because there's going to be a lot of options and you can't afford all of the like must-have picks. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's a little bit open. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. been blasted a little bit more wide open that you do have by virtue of the fact that there are a lot of really great premium players and that there's the, the wingbacks that, you know, there's more wingbacks that are coming in that can, can return and how are they going to be priced? And I think that there is a, a sense where, you know, is this a season where because there is so much noise, you start conservatively and then you kind of, do some of the catch up with your transfers and not necessarily be beholden to, okay, you hold that transfer week two. So when week three, you have the two and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just being a little bit more uh, proactive and just finding what works and, and jumping on it from the sort of template base or this very sort of uh, conventional base of what your team is going to be. And then find yeah. the different points of differentiation after the fact. Anything else you want to see change next season? Um, uh, it all worked in your favor. So I think you, you want the status quo, you elite one percenters I get, uh, but what, what's the, your greatest annoyance with the FPL site? I, so I really liked FPL when it was, when I started out, when it was a little bit more basic where uh-huh. you had wild cards and you didn't have as many chips. I mean, the chips do yeah. kind of spice things up and provide that added, you know, those added pitfalls or obstacles that you have to traverse if you're building up a if you're a strategic player um and then it creates a sort of thing where you can have these really amazing things where it's oh i i free hit in 37 and i hit all the players and the 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 
climate has completely changed and everything has been turned around. Um, it provides that level of excitement, though yeah. I just yearn for the days, the simpler times where it was like, okay, you get two wild cards <laughs> and that is it. And I'm into yeah, it. I'm in, I feel, I mean, I, I feel, it feels like I walk both ways uphill five miles to go to school <laughs> and our TV was made out of wood. Uh, it's like okay. It it's okay wood. to be like, the old yeah. man of fantasy, Pat. We've, we've earned it. You know, we've, you know, we've been around the block. That's good. But I have really enjoyed your perspective. Uh, thank you a million times over for coming on always cheating and oh, thank you for having en- en- enlightening us. Uh, and let's keep, we'll, we'll keep in touch, Pat. I, I can't wait to see your like, 375k finish this upcoming season <laughs> no where no I no take, I, where I take 200 <laughs> points worth of hits and i just yeah and i just turn into an absolute just mad scientist where i'm just gonna be like you know what pulisic hasn't played in like three weeks and he's not even in the premier league because he got transferred out but i'm gonna captain him i'm gonna bring him in and captain him yeah. russ barkley captain here we go <laughs> I have uh, I have so enjoyed uh, meeting you and getting to know you through our Patreon this season, Pat. So thank you for being a part of the community. If you want to get involved and hang out with me and Pat, of course, you can check us out at patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, and as I said, Josh and I will be around uh, during the next month and our real 2022-2023 preseason content is going to kick off in early July so stay tuned uh, for that. And also, we've got some kind of big announcements. I don't know. I can't really tell you anything right now, Pat. But really? uh, some I'm big stuff happening. Kind of big some, stuff. It's going to blow your mind. Really? I can't I can't say anything, though. That's the problem. I mean, can you guess? You want to guess what, uh, what big stuff is going to happen? I, I'm so wrapped with suspense that I'm not even going to guess. <laughs> don't even try. What this you can't massive e- announcement is going to be. <laughs> you can't even imagine. You can't fathom it. All right. Uh, of course, rate, review, and subscribe to Always Cheating. Follow us on Twitter, at Hell Cheaters, or wherever you get your social media. The producer thank yous. Uh, big thanks to our producers who make it all possible. Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, our buddy Chris Howell, to Big Gaffer, Bobas Coon, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Lazarus, Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Bruce Kerr, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Rich Evans, Blair Jacobson, Todd Byerly, Mikey Uwang, Shiv Marjoria, Ra- Oh, that was uh, the old producer read. I always went to Ron Frost. Where are you, Ron Frost? Andy Portlock, Dan Parsons, FPL Merch, Kerry Swanson, uh, uh, Jefferson Turner, managed by Lasso, Francis Mann, Sam Shower, Jeremy Spiker, Caleb Robbie, Lee Hickman, Belgar Paulson Kruger, Alex Holcomb, James Keatley, The Saint, and Bob Fox. Any last words, Pat, before we take off? Thank you for having me on and 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 have fun. Uh, just I, I think that this season is going with the World Cup and and all the sort of X factors that are going to be thrown in there. I think this is going to be a really fun season and it'll be frustrating. But at the end of the day, I think it's just important that we play from our hearts. We have fun and uh, <laughs> play from s- your heart. That is a good one. We've we've gone we've gone through the whole gauntlet of having fun. Now we play from our heart. I think it's that's a, a- let fantasy football be a romantic experience. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Friday night lights, baby. All right, Pat. Thanks again. We'll talk to Thank you soon. Thank you so much.